there, welcome to The Good Complex. I am Hillary Kennedy, and here at The Good Complex, we love to highlight the good that is being done in the world, the people who are making it happen, and then sharing how you and I can be a part of that good despite some of the the fear and the division that we have gotten accustomed to seeing in our world every day. And that's why I am so pumped about today's conversation because it's gonna be all about opportunities and perspective, two things that we have to deal with every day. And you know, the past couple of years have really opened up some amazing opportunities. We just need to know where to look. So today I have Baylor Barbie. He is an award-winning author, speaker, athlete, host of Shark Theory Podcast, and so many other things. Baylor, thank you for taking time to be here today. My pleasure. Anytime I can be with the great Hillary, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, man. Well, you know, it's so funny because I met you several years ago. You were speaking at an event that I was at, and it really struck me how confident you are and just how inspiring and motivational you are. You're just someone who emanates positivity, and I love that about you. So I know you're going to kind of walk us through how to have the right mindset today, but I want to start from the very beginning, get a little backstory on you, because to have the wisdom to share with us about mindset, that means you have to have seen and done some things in your life. <laughs> seen and done some things. So tell me about kind of where you're from and a little well, bit of your background. So, you know, I come from a small town, Abilene in West Texas. Um, I got a opportunity to play football at Baylor University. And your name's Baylor and you play at Baylor and you're playing football. <laughs> Um, you start to believe the press about yourself. You start to believe the hype of, okay, maybe I am a, for lack of a better word, a God. You know, I can do and say as I please. Um, had a good time at college. But, you know, after that, one day the lights go out. You know, you're no longer this star athlete. You're no longer uh, what you've been conditioned to believe. You only matter while you're performing. And so I remember, you know, after the highest of the highs, the next thing I know, I was like, I'm a, who am I? I'm not Baylor football player. I'm, I'm, I'm nobody. And I just remember, you know, hitting like a, a low beyond lows. And then one day I just told myself, I said, you know what? Like, you're either going to check out a life right now or you're just going to try to be a good person. And I chose option number two and, and didn't have a, a, a better plan than that. It wasn't like a, OK, I'm going to grab myself by the bootstraps and do this or go. I just said, I just want to be a good person. I was just tired of life. I love it. So you started with kind of one small step. So then tell me about your professional life because you, so you were an athlete, you mm -hmm. graduated, you didn't continue on with football after college. So what did you decide to do? I, um, I went and got my master's because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, let me just spend some time figuring out what I want to do. Still didn't figure it out. Um, however, so the ego side of Baylor, like I was used to getting in high school, getting interviewed after every game and you get to college when you redshirt means you just practice. You don't play the first year. Well, that didn't work for me. I was like, I'm just going to sit here and practice. <laughs> and uh, I was like, let me figure out. So I learned how to make, I made BaylorBarbie.com back then. So the fans could talk to me. Um, and so it just kind of grew and became like a, you know, a thing with the fans. But after college, people were like, hey, can, can you make a, a website for me? I was like, I guess I can. And they just kind of developed my own marketing company. Like I, my mom, I joke with my mom all the time, but she's like, you've never had like a real job in your life. <laughs> how do you talk to people about careers? So, um. But yeah, it was just a, a a progression of like survival. Really, I was like, "What am I gonna do to get by?" I knew I didn't I didn't want to have a a job. Nothing against jobs, but it just wasn't for me. I remember I was an entrepreneurship major, and I told my resume writing class teacher, "I said, look, I'll participate. I make great grades. I won't write a resume though. And if is there any way around this?" I said, "Because, you know, I want to work for myself, and I want Plan B to be make sure Plan A works. I don't want it when it gets tough. Just hand my resume. So I don't own a resume." Uh, and he worked with me and 
That's fascinating that he was like, okay. Yeah, he just, I mean, he found ways for me to, to participate and not have to write a resume. So <laughs> I, I don't own one. All right. So it sounds like you really saw some opportunities, which is what we're going to talk about today and capitalized on it. But I know there had to be some more challenges too, because anytime you decide, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, I'm going to strike out on my own, I'm going to do my own thing. That's hard because you really have to create opportunities for yourself because it isn't someone just opening all the doors. Right. And well, I think for me at the time, I didn't know that I was trying to create opportunities. I was just trying to get by. You know, I had, I had dated a girl for four years all through college and it was really like the perfect storm of the bottom falling out for me. You know, I, I, I remember thinking like, okay, she, she, she walked away one day and I was like, all right, you're leaving the Baylor Barbie. I mean, that's the level I had gotten with myself. The, it was like talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> I was like, you're going to leave the Baylor Barbie. She'll be back. Day goes by, week goes by, month goes by. And at this time, like all of a sudden I don't have any, cl- it's like everything's falling apart in my life, which typically I think it, it, maybe it's just me. When the things are going the worst, you try to put on this, like everything's okay, which caused so much extra stress on yourself so I'm trying to project to the world I'm fine I don't need her I don't need this I don't need this and I'm just dying inside and you know you just hit a I think thankfully for me is is one day I just looked in the mirror and I was like all right hypothetically self like what if she wasn't wrong like what if maybe some of what she's saying is correct and it felt like the mirror just shattered I was like who have I become like what am I who is this you know what are you and, and I think for me, just hitting like that absolute bottom, you know, no money, no relationship. I'm in Dallas. I don't have anything going for me, no career. And it's just like, what now? But I think for me, that was such a positive. It ended up looking back being such a positive thing. I didn't have an answer for it, but I knew something had to change. So it's just a really humbling moment. Well, I read that you had only $63 when you moved to Dallas. <laughs> I did. So you really were <clears throat> starting from scratch. Everything you could. Th- I mean, I got here with some things happened up here. I had $63. Um, and I would go on YouTube. I, I was in music. Some friends and I, we were rapping in college. And so I was like, I'm going to come to Dallas. It's a big city compared to where I've been from and start a rap career. And so everything I could, I mean, I would go do open mic nights and, and go on YouTube and learn how to make beats. and so, Anything I could do around what I loved at the time to survive, I was in for. So it wasn't like a grand plan, but I was like, I like music. I'll go perform. Oh, I make $15 here. This is a good day. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, uh, so it wasn't, it's even at this time, it wasn't even, um, I wasn't speaking yet. It was just literally doing music every night, anywhere there's an open mic night, anytime I could get some tips, go playing on street corners, selling beats for $20 that I learned how to make on YouTube, anything just to get by, you know, and you, you look back and realize, you're setting a framework for seeing and, and, and capitalizing on opportunity, but I didn't know it at the time. That's so incredible. It's I love the stories of how people started because you look back and sometimes, even though at the time those were the rough times, you look back and sometimes you're like, you know what? Those were kind of the good old days. Like life was a little simpler in a lot of ways. So how did you end up speaking? Because like I said, when I met you, you were speaking at an event and I was blown away because, I mean, you just have this natural gift for speaking to crowds and motivating people and really capturing their attention. But how did all that start? So you were rapping, but then how did you end up speaking? I was rapping and, you know, I was having fun and then I thought this is what I wanted to do because to me it was about I love the lights, I love the stages, I love all these things, but it was also about me. And one day, I mean, shows started getting bigger, started making more money off of it. 
And I remember one day after a show, biggest show I had done, it was a club in Dallas and I get home and I just was like, this isn't it. Like if this is, I, I mean, I had this like a panic attack. I was like, everything that I thought I wanted in life, I now got, I had fans making some money and I'm just empty. And that was kind of like, you know, the perfect culmination of the storm with those other things. And I was like, I just, I literally just want to be a good person. Like I can't, there was no other option. And, you know, I'll just go on Twitter and be like, hey, so I'm going through. And at the time before YouTube Live and Facebook Live, they had a thing called Ustream. And I would go in there and just literally talk about what I was dealing with. No solutions, no answers. And uh, it, people are like, that's awesome. Can you come say that to our elementary? Can you come say that to our middle school? Can you come say that uh, to our youth group, to this or that? And I, I would start talking. And again, I'm not making any money doing it. And I was just like, man, I really like this, this stage. Uh, and then, I, but I, I, I had no money because I'd quit rap. And so like, I would have the overdraft just to go speak to like four people, but something inside me was like, no, there's, this, there's something here. And, and I'll never forget one day I got an opportunity to come speak in Keller. And I remember looking, I was like, okay, I got enough gas to make it to Keller, Texas from where I live in Dallas. It's about an hour. Can't make it back. No. But man, I love speaking. So I'm going to go do it. I'll figure <laughs> it out later. And I go and I speak at this event, and afterwards they gave me $50. And that $50 changed my life because what it showed me, I was like, oh, I can do this. I can get paid for doing what I love to do. And I single-handedly just kind of just changed things. And literally after that, I would go online, like, hey, I would find a, a plane ticket two weeks away for wherever the cheapest place was. Like, hey, does anybody, fan, have a, a room or something I could use in Providence, Rhode Island? Uh, on this date and somebody's like yeah I can help you and so it kind of started crowdsourcing fans because you know couldn't afford like an arena and then charge like $20 for tickets make a little bit money here and you travel around he's talking to people and realizes we all got the same problems we're all trying to figure out a either who am I or b where am I going next and I decided to start uh figuring out how to write a book use Microsoft Word as my editor which <laughs> I don't recommend uh, because you know everybody kind of has the same yep. problems, and and then also it goes on Amazon and it does really really well. And you know you just kind of tweak the process, write books, speak, write books, speak, and you look up one day you're like, I guess this is what I do. I love that. I love that you found something that you really enjoy and you're passionate about, and you took those opportunities, not always knowing how they were going to pan out. And I feel like in the last couple of years especially because the world has changed mm -hmm. so much for so many people. It's felt like opportunities have been shrinking in a lot of people's minds based on like what we read or we see mm -hmm. on TV or what we see on social media. Um, and I, based on the things that I know about you and the things that you've written, that's not your mindset. It, you really have a mindset of there are plenty of opportunities, even some maybe you've passed up in the past uh -uh. And, and thought weren't for you. We're, we're always so close you know, that's the thing I tell people. At the end of the day, like, you are the opportunity. Like, people don't want to understand that. But, like, you know, I look back, what wasn't working in music, I was so close. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I have to be on stage. Um, you know, I have to have the lights on me. This is the only way to do it. But it was all about me. But the small little twist, when you turn around and say, instead of, oh, how many sales does Baylor have? It's, okay, can I impact your life for this hour? The, the change in perspective, now I'm on much bigger stages, checks are a lot better, you know, and it's a lot more fulfilling. Getting to do exactly, I'm still on stage, still, like, but it's for other people. So it's that small little twist. Typically what I, what I go through in life now is like, if I love to do something, but it's not working, whether that's 
uh, you know, not financially making money or, or something not working, I got to ask myself, okay, how can I take the same concept and help somebody with it? We live in a world because of, of you know, pandemic and everybody struggling. We live in it. People are trying to take, take, take. It's like, okay, how can I be a giver? Mm-hmm. And you make yourself literally like where yeah. people have to have you, you know, so just make a habit out of like, what can I do to, to, to be a giver? How can I just change it? We're so small. You know, you, you think about you leave... If you leave uh, the port of San Francisco on a boat, you're headed to Tokyo, Japan, and you're one degree off when you start. Over that three-week journey, you end up in Sydney, Australia. And and I say that because, you know, that one little small degree off can lead you somewhere different, but the reverse is true in our lives. Like, you think about it. You think, oh, I'm, nothing's going for me. I'm, I'm broke. I don't have a relationship. I don't have this. And we think we have to make all these major changes. Mm-hmm. But really, it's like, no. One degree change over a long period of time the rest of this year, you can be in a completely different spot. It's so much easier to change one degree than flip your whole life around. Gosh, that's such a good reminder because you're right. Like I do think when it comes to wanting to change our lives or make our dreams happen, we tend to think we have to do some big grand thing and have some big grand plan. But what you're saying is, you know, it can be one small step, one tweak. small step, one small step. It's a tweak. It's like it's always a, a tweak and in, in, in understanding it's going to take a while. <laughs> But what in life is worthwhile isn't going to take a while. You know, you, you have these things to see how bad you want it. We get hit with these obstacles like, oh, it's not for me. No, it's not what it was. It's to make sure that you're still interested in it. I, I love a good obstacle when I start something new because I know if I face it, then that's going to weed out a lot of competition that also thought they wanted this. That's a great point. It's so true. And I, I think a lot of people see only the limits instead of, you know, what they're actually capable of. So you... You do triathlons. I do. And ultras, <laughs> which I can run. I can do a 5K. <laughs> that's about that's about my limit, although you might be able to convince me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Mark my words. So, we're doing a longer one together. So, I mean, you've, you've been a lifelong athlete, obviously. <laughs> Why do you continue to participate in, in ultras and marathons? So, um, we just finished a 50-miler last year, 50-mile trail run. Wow. And, uh, my brother and I are now training for a... 100 mile trail run race but what i tell people i don't enjoy running what i like to see is where my limits are and uh you run to see and to realize that you don't have limits you know all of us every single one of us in some area aspect of our life are short-sighting ourselves. we're under indexing what we could be because we put a limit on us that doesn't exist first time i ran a marathon by accident because i i was on twitter i had just won a most influential African-American award in, in Dallas. And um, I remember sitting on the couch eating Oreos and watching the New York City Marathon. I didn't know how long a marathon was. <laughs> and, and people were like, and, uh, I tweeted, next marathon that comes through Dallas, I'm going to I'm gonna do it. And then people were like, oh, Baylor's doing the Dallas. I didn't know you were a runner of the Dallas Marathon. It was in three weeks. And I was like, oh, my goodness. There was no couch to marathon training plan in three weeks, right? I was going to say, people train all year for a marathon. They do. Well, you're right. But, I, you know. I remember I was like, okay, well, let me study what great people do. All of the great marathoners talk about the wall. The wall is at mile 19 in a marathon, a 26.2-mile race, where your body runs out of glycogen, meaning no matter how in shape you are, the human body is out of juice. So it's a, it's a head and a heart race from there. And I remember thinking, like, that's what I want to find in life. What is my limit, right? And, and you think about life. In the marathon of life, we all have those things coming up where we know we're going to have to face it whether it's a, a, a performance review with your boss or a tough conversation with your spouse. We all have those, those, those things, and typically we just hide from it. We dread it. 
But, you know, boxers don't go into a fight thinking, I'm not going to get hit. You learn, how do you roll with the punch? How am I going to, and that was me, how do I feel when I do it? What is, is my mindset really at? And so I kind of just made a, a career out of like, I want to attack these adversities. I'm not going to let them bully me and ruin my day. And so with these, these races, it's just, they're not physical races. They're mental. Can you conquer boring? They're monotonous. It's like, can I, can I do what's monotonous? There's a reason billionaires don't have reality shows. They have very consistent, boring lives. They find what works and do that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> exciting, but it works. Right. And I think we, as society, we, we're missing on opportunities because we, we want the thrill of it all. And it's not in the thrill. It's in the boring day-to-day consistencies. Right, in the mundane. I, so many of the different people that we've talked to here at The Good Complex it really was about one foot in front of the other. It wasn't any big dramatic thing. It was truly putting in the time, putting in the effort, and not expecting something to instantly happen. I mean, if you're you're trying to make something good happen, it really is about showing up and being consistent, which is exactly what you're saying. It's just so hard because we want we want to see things happen right now. And we do, but it's kind of I think our definition of what right now is is wrong you know in the grand scheme of, of thousands of years a year is still right now you mm-hmm. know you think about health goals people it's you know, like like i'm training for a, a race that's 100 miles in november that's pretty much right now i only have 10 months to learn how to run 100 miles so in the grand scheme of life that's that's not a lot of time and i think if we'll start to reshape what immediacy means you know anytime you see somebody nobody nothing in life happens literally overnight we see it because that's all we've been trained to look at. There's, you think about even in fitness photos, there's before and afters. In uh, billionaire people like that, you see what they do, you know, the garage of the Google people and then where they are now. But that daring, right? That daring period, you never see on TV, you never see on social media. And, and I think we think that we don't have to go through that. But everybody has a daring period. Um, but I think what you can learn to do... Uh, for me, I, I learned this by accident. Everything I do in life, I learn by accident. Um, but but to embrace the daring is, uh, I remember my sister and I were in Peru one time, first time I ever left the country, climbing Machu Picchu. And I remember thinking like, man, when I get to the top, this could be amazing. We're trying to beat there to see the sunrise. And I just the whole way for a couple hours, I'm just, I want to see the top. It's going to change my life. And we get up there, immaculate sunrise. But that evening, we're in a hotel, my sister's, uploading all these pictures to her computer. I was like, man, that's awesome. What trip is that from, Kirsten? And she's like, from today. I was like, I didn't see that flower. I didn't see that foliage. I didn't see that animal. I would have got up the mountain a lot faster had I seen <laughs> that. And she's like, what were you doing? We were side by side. I was like, I was focused on the top. See, what she realizes is, is the beauty in life is in the struggle. It's in the climb. I was over here thinking a point is going to define me. A job is going to define me. A check is going to define me. A accolade is going to define me. And I think a lot of us are like that. Mm-hmm. And we learn that like, even when you climb a mountain in the Andes, at a certain point, nothing grows above that. So like me in life now, I don't want to reach my peak. All you can do is take a few pictures and then head downhill. I just want to climb bigger mountains and, and, and learn that the struggle, what you're going through, you only struggle because you're going up. Whatever you're facing, you, you don't struggle going down. It's easy to go downhill. The struggle's up. So as long as whatever you're facing and going through, like if it's hard, you're going the right way. That's such a great way to look at it because you think of how many uh, really successful people or celebrities, they do reach what they thought would be the absolute top of the mountain and they're, they are unfulfilled. They're not happy and they, they weren't truly enjoying the journey getting there and trying to really glean wisdom along the way. So talk to me a little bit about the relationship between opportunity 
and perspective because that's hugely important. <laughs> opportunity and perspective. So, you know, first I do believe that opportunity is a science. Like it, it's something you, it's a skill set you can develop. You know, we all say we want opportunity, we need it, we deserve it. But like, if I want to get better at graphic design, I don't just say, yeah, I want to be good at Photoshop and it happens. I have to be in the immersed in, in Photoshop or, or whatever it is. Opportunity is the same way. Um, but you look at it from perspective because your perspective creates the opportunities for you. Um, case in point, a couple years ago, uh, a buddy of mine, I always wanted to be like a ninja growing up, but I'm a six foot four African-American <laughs> from West Texas. They don't have ninjas school out there. Um, but a buddy of mine was in Brazilian jujitsu and he's like, you can come take a class. And I was like, can I have the karate kid outfit? He's like, we have one for you. I was like, cool. <laughs> and so I get there and I'm six foot four, 250 pounds. And they said, we got something special for you. You're going to get to spar with a nine time Brazilian Jiu Jitsu world champion. He's five, six, maybe 135 pounds. So I have about a foot on him and about a hundred pounds on him. And I'm thinking, you know, on paper, I should destroy this guy. Right. And I'm thinking like, get your phones out. Everybody take pictures. Like this is, <laughs> I'm about to beat a world champion. And so as soon as we start, I go to grab him and he like flips me over his back, does this like roll flip thing. And I was like, okay, what just happened? So I jump up, turn around thinking he's going to jump up and, and, and I'll never forget this. He's laying there and I'm like, oh, I heard him. I'm going to have to frog splash him or something. And he said, come here. I was like, wait a minute. Now what does society say? I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I'm standing up. I'm, uh, he's laying down. I have the advantage. But see, what he knew is he wasn't fighting a six foot four, 250 pound man. He was fighting my inexperience. He was fighting my weakness. And, and so for the next five minutes, everything I did is making me put my like foot in my mouth and <laughs> going around me like a spider monkey because he knew what to look for. And, and how I equate that to life is nothing in life is flawless. Like you look at the, the biggest diamonds, best diamonds in the world, they still have flaws. Nothing's flawless. Even your problems I mean even your problem as big as it may seem has a weakness. And if you'll learn to figure out, okay, what is the weakness in what I'm facing? What is the weakness in the adversity? You don't have to fight the big problem. You fight the weakness. He who's much smaller fought my weakness. What I didn't know. And that's all he had to fight. And so what I, when I take a life, I look at anything that I'm facing. It's like, okay, it's not this huge problem. This problem somewhere in it has a flaw. Let me fight that. And, and it allows us to put our focus and our energy, you know, you don't have to have all the resources. You don't have to have all the network. You have everything you need to win that battle against that weakness. That's such a, that's such a great reminder because I do think sometimes we make excuses. I, well, I don't have this or this person has a better advantage because they grew up with this. And we, we talk ourselves out of opportunities and we talk ourselves out of having the right perspective because it's, I don't know if it's easier, if it makes us feel better or if it's a way to protect ourselves by kind of making those excuses. Yeah. And, and I think it's like, do you, you know, I ask people, it's like, do you really want to win? Because excuses, it's like, yeah, they're cool. And you know what? People do have more resources. They do have more networks, but you also don't have to fish in the same pond they're fishing in. One of my favorite stories in the 1840s is when the uh, California gold rush happened. Everybody's just leaving their families or fleeing across the country. You can go get rich if you get to California. Uh, and a guy named Sam Brennan, he was, he's lived in California, lived in San Francisco, was about to go jump in the rat race like everybody else. And right before he went there, he said, you know what? I have the only general trade store between San Francisco and the California gold mines. 
So rather than go out there and do what everybody else is doing, which typically what we do, I got to be on every social media, I got to be on TikTok, I got to be on Snapchat, got to be on Facebook, got to be on Instagram, mm-hmm. gotta, blah, 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 blah. He said, I'm just going to sell picks and shovels to all the people trying to go get rich. And he became the first millionaire of the California gold rush, never had to pan for gold. And so I say that because a lot of times the opportunities we're seeking, they're not working for us because we're trying to do what everybody else is doing. Sometimes it's so much closer. You know, that's why I ask myself now. I was like, okay, what he was, how can I be a vessel for people that want to win? And, and that worked for him. And in, in, in your life, no matter what your industry is, what you're doing, you can have that same, like, let me stop short and figure out how to help where I was running to, where everybody's going to. How can I be a vessel through what I love to do to help people get there? I mean, that's what I do as a speaker now. It's like, I love to be on stage, but I help people develop stronger mindsets and that move the needle forward and, and, and believe themselves. So I don't have to go do this or this as well. You can stop short, right. you know, for lack of a better word. So I think a lot of people in the past several years especially have realized how important their mental health is. And that's something that you focus on because I, like I mentioned, I mean, we're inundated with negative messages all day long and you can't avoid them. Even if you're not someone that watches the news, you probably have social media. If you don't have social media, you, you might have kids that do. Like right. you're, you're gonna hear things that are upsetting and frustrating and stressful. So what would you say is a good way to combat some of that or how to change our perspective so that we aren't weighed down mentally on the negative. So one of the things that I'm a big believer in is blackout dates. So, you know, blackout dates in the airline are days where if you, no matter how many frequent flyer miles you have, you cannot book on these days. These are days that prescribed, you can't fly. So what I think one of the things we do, because we live in a society that's fast and social media makes it faster. Even if you think when you start getting burnt out, I need to do, 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 go, 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 go. And, and that's where I think burnout is kind of like once you think about if you if you put your pedal to the metal, you go buy a brand new car and you put the pedal to the metal, right? You're going to go fast. But how fast is that engine going to burn out versus if you go cruising altitude? You know, I tell people all the time, like 92 percent is going to get you a lot further in life than going 100 percent. You got no when to go 100 percent. But these blackout dates for me. And again, it doesn't have to be a full day. It might be, okay, every 30 minute or every Friday from 4 to 4.30, whatever your time frame is, however long, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a car. How long, is, how big is your tank, right? You have to have that time for just you. You have, to, you have to embrace being selfish and not selfish in a negative way, but it's kind of like if I have nothing to give you and I love you, how am I going to continue to give if I'm empty? So me, one of the things, you know, one of the, tips is establish blackout days. If you somebody burns out weekly, then maybe it needs to be, there. or it might be 15 minutes a day from four to four fifteen. my phone's on airplane mode. You cannot reach me for any reason. And, and, and whatever it is to, to refill yourself doing what you love to do. I don't care if it's, you want to watch a fish tank or you want to laugh at <laughs> what, you know, it's, it's got to feel, feel you. You got to be your own gas station in this fast world that we live in. And I think a lot of our um, problems, like when you leave a computer on too long, we just get bogged up And a lot of that. If we can just unwind, refuel, and get ourselves away from the rat race, A, it gives you a chance to say, why am I even, this isn't even the race I want to be in. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, refill yourself and get back to a point so you're not redlining life. I think that's such a smart way to look at it because you're right. Like we can't put good out in the world if we aren't good. You know, if, if we aren't good with ourselves, if we aren't refueled. So I... I love that one thing you do to kind of help people with that is you have a podcast <laughs> called Shark Theory. So talk to me a little bit about that. So, okay. So Shark Theory, um, 
you know, when you think about a shark in the office, you think about somebody who's always on the go after everything. But if I love sharks, like Shark Week is my week. Like the one <laughs> week I'm watch TV, oh, it's Shark Week. But you know, when you watch sharks, they're not in a hurry to do anything. Um, now they have to move forward because the way they oxygenate themselves is by moving forward through the water. But they only really attack when they really truly want something. So for me, I was like, what if we learn to be patiently progressive in life? Look, not selling for what's good, not selling for every fish that goes in front of us, but focusing, hyper-focusing on what we really, truly want and then giving every single thing we have to that thing. You know, society says do everything, but I've learned, like, the more things you say no to, the more opportunities you actually see to find what you really, really want. And so what I do on Shark Theory, because, again, I know I don't somebody want to listen to me forever. I don't want them to have to. So every day it's like 10 minute episodes you can listen to on your way to work. We just take like a everyday situation, something that happened and figure out and then take three lessons that I can extract from that that you can apply to life. And the whole point is that there are lessons in literally everything. Like uh, I was eating breakfast. I have a, a nephew who's uh, six and my brother and him were, ta- were talking about this workout that he was doing. And uh, he was like, I don't do it anymore. And we said, Carter, why don't you do it anymore? He said, I didn't like it, so I deleted it from my mind. And he went on about eating his pancakes. <laughs> and I was thinking about, you know, all these things in life. And I was, I mean, I take, so I took that as a, one of the lessons. I was like, wow, what if we apply that to life? Like, kids can do it. At one point, we were kids, so we have the capacity to not let things linger in our mind. Things don't have mm-hmm. to stay with us. We somehow believe that we have to hold on to every negative thing and every grudge and delete it from your mind and so you know i look at a few different use cases on that but it really what happened for me is especially during the pandemic is like i don't want to go through life and look back and realize i had nothing to show for it i want to be present in my own life and i think from an opportunity standpoint that's what we have to do we have to be present in our own lives life is not what i'm doing tomorrow it's not what i did yesterday and so for me shark theory allows me to do that in 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 hopes when people see that 10 minute deal start looking at their own lives. And I get a lot of emails like, oh, you know what? You should do a podcast on this because I was doing this and I took this lesson. And that's the whole point. Realize there's lessons in everything that you can apply and use and grow from. Well, you speak to so many different people from different backgrounds. I mean, you, you speak to people at Fortune 500 companies, people from all different walks of life. How do you get people to see that we might all be different. We might all have different backgrounds, opinions, ideas about how things should work. How do you get people to shift their perspective in working together? Because I know, I'm sure a lot of people want you to speak to their employees, trying to kind of help them get have a, have a better working relationship with their fellow employees, how to have the right mindset there. So, you know, we have so many different people on the good complex that come from, you know, different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting to hear with an open mind their perspectives, but how do we do a better job of that? Well, I, you know, I think it it's, comes down to two things. First, we have to, um, you know, I'm for bringing people together, but I think sometimes we try to, like, create a smoothie. And, and that's not necessarily the best thing because you're going to have the stronger flavor overpower the other flavors. What I think we first have to do is we have to appreciate how different we are. Because, again, you know, if we're looking at this cup, if I'm going, making all my business decisions based on what I see, it's like this little thing over here on the left. Well, I'm going to be wrong half the time. But I need to appreciate the fact that you have different circumstances, that you have a different life, that you have a different way of seeing this because, like, oh, there's a whole different side to this thing. And that could have cost us a lot. So, you know, rather than trying to, like, force feed everybody into this whole, like, 
we have to be this cohesive. It's like, no, no, first let's appreciate how different we are because that's our strength is how different we are. We don't need to take that or strip that from anybody. And then number two, we have to realize that we are all, like I said earlier, we're all trying to figure out what's next for us. If you're, you know, in the corporate world, you get in, you're trying to figure out how to move up to management. Management, you're trying to figure out how to get up to C-level. A lot of people are figuring out how to start their own company. Even the, the people at the top are figuring out, like, how do I get out of here and spend more time with family? So if you if you look at it in the end of the day, you take away the, the titles and the socioeconomic statuses. We're all trying to figure out how do we get to what's next for us. And we all have the same worries. Like, am I... I mean, I've done all t- like, am I, am I crazy? Like, am I going the wrong? You know, we all have the same fears. And I, and I think just as, as people, if we would look at that and understand like, Hey, yeah, this person might have a title. They might have this and that, but when you take all that off and they get home, they're laying in bed with the same stresses as me. How do I get to the next level? And I think understanding that can help bring us together. Like, yeah, you might make more money than me. More people might know you, but I, we got the same struggle. Right. And, and I can appreciate what you're having to deal with. Uh, through that, and I think there's a level of appreciation through understanding we got the same fears and hopes and dreams. It's a beautiful way to look at it. And you, you've written a book. I know you're currently working on another one, <laughs> but uh, you just wrote a book. So tell me a little bit about the book, and then where people can. So okay, so the most books. recent book uh, is called Opportunity Engineer, which uh, ironically came out right before the pandemic. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's a five uh, five step thing. I think in life, when you look at opportunity, you have to first ask yourself the hard question. You know. Um, questions like you think about a, a, an elephant, right? When they're babies, they put a, a rope around their foot and a stake in the ground. And the elephants for a few weeks try to get away and they can't and they give up. Elephants don't forget. So they become massive two-ton animals, same rope, same stake in their mind. Well, it's there. I can't do it. But as you think about in life, how many times have you, you, you've convinced yourself you're not good at something because you weren't good at it one time? Oh, little so-and-so turned me down at the fifth grade dance. So now I'm afraid to put myself out there because I don't like rejection, right? So asking ourselves questions like, hey, maybe some of these limits that I put on myself aren't correct. Maybe it just didn't work at that point. Maybe I need to revisit. So asking ourselves uh, questions, shifting our mindset. Like if you start to realize like, okay, I put a ceiling on my life and, and, and limits on myself that aren't real. What could be possible? And that's such a powerful game, though. What could be possible? Because it changes your mindset. It's like, okay, this could happen. So you ask, shift, uh, then you sharpen. You know, you got to double down on what it is you're good at, right? I, I don't believe in going through life. I hate the, well, it pays the bills, so I'll do it. I was like, you're not going to get anywhere in life. You're going to always go through life like that. Figure out what you love to do. It's going to be harder in the beginning. I can promise you that. But you ask, shift, sharpen. Once you become, you know, that, you come to this fork in the road of opportunity. You have an opportunity to find it based on the fact that you've sharpened your skills because it's out there. Or, you know, if it's not, you, you weren't handed a silver spoon, you didn't have the inheritance, all these things, you get to create it. And I think that's the most powerful thing in the world is to realize like if I can take off my own limits if I can start to see possibility of what I want out of the world if I can sharpen so that nobody is sharper brighter at what it is that I do and I'm I'm tuned in and know what to look for I can win from anywhere like the the, my little five six counterpart did you know know what to look for and and then how to win And, and so ask shift sharpen uh find and create and they said that book opportunity engineers on and all, all Amazon, everywhere, anywhere you can get a book. It's <laughs> well, you've written a bunch of books. Yeah, so. I have seven out, seven out right now. Um, that you know. is well. It's a, such a testament to 
finding something that you want to do, creating the opportunity for yourself, publishing your books, getting them out there. I mean, that's amazing. Thank you. And, and you know, but again, it was all for, I'm not saying you have to be an author in life, but there's so much access to information now. Like I said, I literally was Googling, how do you write a book or how do you publish a book? Like I've never had like a published, it's always been just me. And, and I said, because you can do it yourself. Like no matter what you think you need this big team, at least to get to the next level. And then I realized in life, like if you just focus on what you can do right now without a team, you know, we give ourselves excuses of, Oh, once I get this person, then I'll do it. But life works backwards. Once you start going, once you move, then you get movement. When you get movement, you get momentum off your own results. Then everybody wants to be a part of what's already working. So don't wait for the people. Understand if you start on the path, the right people come to you. Such good stuff, Baylor. I'm so glad that you came on the show today because it's motivational. It's such a good reminder. Just start. That's all we need to do is just start. And like you said, then the momentum will start to build. If people want to know more about you, what you do, find out more about your books, all that good stuff, listen to the podcast. Where do they need to go? Um, so you can go to BaylorBarbie.com. Um, social media channels, all of them are Baylor Barbie, uh, Shark Theory Podcast on everything. And then um, we have a nonprofit organization called Dreams Really Exist where we do a lot of um, mental health, social, emotional wellness for kids because uh, so many of us are trying to get fixed on the back end. But I think if, as a society, if we can come together and um, help kids now create the right foundations, then uh, we, we can change tomorrow's world. So that's uh, dreamsreallyexist.org. So. You're putting a lot of good out there, and we're really grateful for it. And it's, it's motivating me to go out there and do something, shift my perspective and not look at the things that aren't possible, but look at the things that could be possible. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. My really pleasure. appreciate it. All right, well, we will be back with another episode of The Good Complex soon, but don't forget to like, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts because we love a follow, we love comments, we love to hear from you. So, all right, until next time, get out there and make it good. <laughs>